Okay. <laughs> um, I was just telling my sister, I honestly have nothing prepared when I start these. I literally just go. She's like, do you want to start it? I'm like, sure. We just jump in. Well, welcome everyone. It's the day after Christmas and me and my sister are coming back to where I live. Oh, also, so I was telling my sister things we can and can't say on the podcast, so everything's not paying the butt for me. I never say where I live because I listen to way too much true crime to the point where it's becoming a problem. I stalk all my neighbors on my ring camera feed, but... <laughs> oh my god. Oh my god. This bitch texts me in the middle of my god work day. Oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. This is going to be bad. <laughs> I was like, tell her don't swear on this. She's texting me and she's sending me screenshots of her ring camera being like, who is this guy? Do you think he's going to kill me? It is a maintenance worker. They have a bucket of tools. It is a freaking maintenance worker. You can kill me with tools. Those scissors are big. She's actually just incredibly pathetic. Well, yeah. Well, so this is my lovely sister, everyone. She thinks super highly of me. Um, what's her age gap? Oh, I'm two years younger. Are we the same zodiac sign? Yes. Do you believe in zodiac signs? What's that mean? So I don't believe in like the every person of the zodiac is like the same, but I do kind of believe in like there are some environmental factors to how you act and also how people treat you. Like I definitely do think that like, you know, winter babies are a bit different than spring babies and it does have to do just a bit with like if your winter is during Christmas time, yeah, you're going to be a bit salty and I get it. Um, yeah, and I would say, for the longest time, I didn't believe in zodiac signs because we're the same Taurus, and we could not be more different people when it comes to values and stuff. So for the longest time, I did not believe in zodiac signs. Yeah, but, like, we also are both incredibly yes. stubborn people, and we are both very, like, if I set my mind to something, it will happen. And we're all, all kind of lazy and love, like, lounging around and napping, which is a Taurus stereotype. So we, we do both have that. Oh my gosh, on that topic, my friends all, like, call me a cat. Like, literally, I'm always napping, always laying on people's laps, always throwing stuff off of counters, like, meow. We're definitely a black cat, orange cat dynamic, for sure. I am the orange cat, in case you could not tell. <laughs> Stop that, you're definitely the black cat. Um, I was like, give them a little introduction, like, what you're studying, what you're into, what are your hobbies. Uh, tell them about yourself. And actually, not many of my friends know you, besides my, like, home friends. You haven't met many of my college friends, have you? I actually have not. So, hi, I'm the sister. I live in Boston, go to school out there. I'm studying computer engineering, computer science, working towards a master's degree in human movement and rehabilitation sciences. Say that four times fast. I recently finished a six-month internship at, like, a dialysis company, and I figure skate. Figure skating is, like, my whole entire life. I'm on the executive board of my college team. Just started competing for college this year. I competed... 10 years before, but skating for 15, and I'm a bit of a nerd, very big into anime, and I used to read a ton, not so much since I've been in college. Um, I don't know any other big details about me that matter. I was going to talk a bit about, like, your vibe and how we're different, but the same, so it's funny. We went to Israel together, as I've talked about on here before, and it's really her that got me there, and it's funny because, like, one of the guys came to us was like, you and her are so different. I'm like, it's funny because we're not. At the core, we're very similar. We love girly things. We love decorating, but we just have different flavors of it, where I'm definitely, like, old Hollywood Chanel vintage, and how would you describe your aesthetic? Kind of, like, mushroom, artsy, Brooklyn, hipster coffee shop girl? I definitely would say my aesthetic lies kind of in the realm of, like, not exactly cottagecore, but make it, like, a bit more, like, of a retro vibe. Like, I definitely do love technology. I am a computer engineer, but I also am, I'm very much, like, I love plants. I have the most plants out of all my friends at university, and I'm, I love to just lay in the grass and, like, be outside in nature, 
and I will be honest, I dress for comfort, not style, but I am like Anita. Just like how my sister here has this podcast as a passion project, I'm a cosplayer, that's kind of my passion project, and we both like to pick up arts and crafts and kind of teach ourselves things, and I'm very big into the, with that engineering knowledge, I design all sorts of crazy stuff. We were talking about too how fashion designers, I think cosplayers are going to be huge sources of talent for fashion design collaboration. Like the stuff my sister shows me from what people make for like these cosplay conventions, they're insanely beautiful. Like talk about the cape you just made and like the intricacies, it's like engineering and art together. Like they are so much cooler than anything I've made and like I did a fashion textiles like part of my major. I could never do some of the stuff you do, it's so cool. Yeah, and it's actually quite interesting because I'm obviously on TikTok who isn't. And one of my favorite cosplay creators did like uh, 12 Days of Cosmos where they provided a lot of hacks and tricks for people. And it was really interesting because they were talking about kind of the trends that were seen through cosplay materials. And I was saying how I think those will be reflected in real fashion. Anita mentioned I made a cape recently and I actually hand stitched in the lining because my machine couldn't handle the materials I used. And I did not use any sort of pattern for this cape, mistake on my part but I just designed it from my own brain cells. And I think that's really carrying over because a lot of cosplayers were looking at these fictional, like they're beautiful outfits. Like one of my favorite things I saw a cosplayer do recently was these heels from Dr. Stone, if you know, you know, and they're literally like the shape of a pyramid and like trying to make that actually functional as a shoe is insane because there's no heel and toe. It's just a pyramid where the point is the part touching the floor and you stand on the flat part, which physically does not make sense. But then, you think about putting that into fashion and you think about now fashion designers can take these ideas because a cosplayer made it happen. They made this happen. So now a fashion designer can take that concept and make something new and innovative. No, it's, it's genuinely so cool. There's another thought in my mind. Oh, you also made like a set of wings that you like engineered. They don't, they like retract or something super cool. Yeah. So mine are not the most engineering complex wings ever, but I did put them on a pair of hinges. So and they're made out of EVA foam. So the idea is because the foam's so light, you actually can slot the wings together because they have notches in them to keep them extended for photos. And then you can unslot them and they just naturally will fold against my back. I was also thinking, this is like the best, most put together episode we've done so far. This is like dangerous. You're so much better at podcasting than I am. You're gonna like overrun me. <laughs> much apologies. I actually did want to go into film and videography when I was younger, but I did also realize I want to make money. Okay, very true. Yeah, go, okay, this has been an episode I've always wanted to do, so maybe we'll do it together. What would be like your dream career if you have a million hours in the day? Okay, now don't hold the phone like back close to my face. Um, but if you had like a million hours in the day, what are all the things you would want to do? And it doesn't have to be practical. It doesn't have to be based on like real skill sets you have. So as I mentioned, I'm a figure skater and actually I did not like figure skating until I started coaching and that's when I really started to love this sport like eight years deep and I've talked to my friends about this, but if I was like a billionaire, had nothing else to worry about, I would love to open up a training facility where I would offer both on ice and off ice coaching and really just help kids grow because figure skating culture is so toxic. And also on top of that, within my own rink, I would have my own like center so I'd be able to host events, like maybe not a whole anime convention, but maybe something similar, same caliber. So I'd love to be able to just like bring together all of my passions, have like an ice rig, like two sheets of ice, and then a gym, and then like, I don't know, you know, whatever else you need to train, some ballet studios. And then I also would have those opportunities for the public skating events, and just like in general, let there be like school fairs there, anime conventions, whatever people wanted, just having a big event space, because I 
really love that stuff. Like I'm a big planner. I generally don't host because I don't like people being in my house, but I, I am the one who always brings my friends together for stuff. How about I you? I love that. Okay, you want me to go? I was like, next though, we should talk about why you got into computer science and like the guy in your second grade class who inspired you. But um, okay, this I think this really will have to be a whole episode. So I think my dream day is I wake up at like 4 or 5 a.m. Because I kind of get zoomies if I wake up so early. I don't realize what I'm doing. I'm going to take me and my three dogs, no leashes. We're going to be a huge hiking hill, volcano, I don't know, wherever I live. Some beautiful hiking thing in my backyard. So we're going to go on a big hike and watch the sunrise, do yoga on top of the sunrise. And maybe I'll do like guided meditations. So maybe I'll have like a class up there. I don't know. If my skating coach, you remember, um, she used to always joke that I need to do a class called I Need a Yogi. My name's Anita. Because I was not flexible for a figure skater at all. Like I could not get my leg up in the air. So I used to do yoga stretches for two hours every single day on top of like rigorous training, other off-ice and like school and still skating. Um, and I finally got to the point where my like flexibility was good enough to reach the level of skating I did. So she was always saying I need to start like my own yoga business. So yoga business in the morning and I love athletic wear. So I would love to have my own like athletic wear line. I actually designed one, I think for a high school design project. And I think another one in college where like, you know how Lululemon has a lot of like strategically placed seams. They're placed kind of like in my line where your muscles interact and the seams would like almost help your performance and like suck you in in the right places and be loose in the right places where it would look really beautifully constructed and futuristic, but it actually like aids your athletic movement. It makes you feel super comfortable and breathable and have it for millions of different body types. I just think it would be an awesome thing to invent with how many new like fabrics are coming out in the world. So I think that would be really, really awesome. So then my, you know, 5 a.m. sunrise is over, 6 a.m. I come home, I'm going to have a pool. So I think right after the hike, I just change into a swimsuit, jump into my pool, my dogs come hang out with me. Then I want my dream breakfast is like a smoothie bar, granola parfaits, fruits, yogurt, granola. So I get to put on a nice big furry bathrobe, um, eat my fruits, then drink lovely espresso, hello, pastry towers full of croissants. And then I want inspiration time from like 7 a.m. to like 10 a.m. where I just look at different fashion shows, print out cutouts of magazines, read old Vogue archives, and have floor-to-ceiling like pin-up boards with these big windows with the sun streaming in because I'm a morning person in like a morning inspiration wave. So in the morning, I just draw inspiration for all the millions of projects I'm going to work on. Interior design, I think, would be an awesome hobby of mine, like art and that. So then I think throughout the week, it'd have to be changed up. I think in my dream life, I would just go paint in a beautiful location. Think of the girl from Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants. Just go to a coast of Greece, prop up an easel, and maybe I'd podcast for you guys. I'd people watch, listen to music, do these gorgeous paintings. People could sell. I could be part of my interior design business. And then around noon, I would love to get brunch with my girlfriends, go shopping for more inspiration, of course. And then I get, like, mind zoomies from, like, 4 to 9 p.m. So I'm going to take a nap because I've had a long day already. So brunch with the girls, shopping. Like, I want to live the real life in, like, daytime hours. So I live my real daytime life. Then I take a nap, and then I do work. So anyone who needs to meet with me for a meeting, you have from, like, 2 to 6 p.m. or you can do a dinner meeting. I want to jet set all around the world, meeting with big designers, big clients, um, do fashion marketing. I think I've always seen myself doing it for one brand versus a branding agency, like really building up a luxury brand from start to finish. But I think I'm open to the possibilities. I think what I am the best at, what I love doing is fashion and marketing. And I want to get to the root of working with the designers and understanding the designers, what's your vision, and then getting out, doing customer research, figuring out what customers want. And then my job is the middle of tying those together and making beautiful like I want marketing to be fun I don't want you to be advertised to to like 
force a sale down your throat. I want it to be because it's something cool. That's something that brings happiness and joy into your life. Something exciting, something fun, like Super Bowl commercials, but like all the time. It's like advertising the way that's telling a story and entertainment. So that would be the main part of my day. And then in the evenings, I would love to keep on traveling the world, um, getting lunches, going to fashion shows, seeing different art collective archives, and would love to go out with my friends and wake up at 5 a.m. and do it all over again. Honestly, way too much for me. You're so brave. You're doing so much. Um, I'm definitely much more of a chill person. But you did remind me while you were talking. She mentioned her dream house, and I definitely did not mention mine. I would love a little cottage. My sister knows growing up, we grew up by this really not by, but we drove to this really rich neighborhood on a lake. And on in this rich neighborhood, there was a bunch of huge mansions and there was one little cottage. And it was like a little square with a circle on the end, like a little circle tower, and then a square for the rest of the place. And that's like my dream place. And I would want like the circle half of it to be a library. So just books around this entire tower and circle stairs going up the middle. And then just very cozy, plush. And of course I want dogs too. Totally reminded me of that. But I definitely think that this is a great example of how our dream lives are similar but different. I'm a night owl. She's a morning person. And Anita's is very much geared towards that, like, go, 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 get them. Like, you know, enjoy her day. But also, like, she still wants to be out there making a change and helping people, making it less of a chore to do marketing. And I think I'm more on the physical aspect of I want to be out there helping athletes. Really, that's part of the reason why I chose the master's degree I did with the human movement and rehabilitation science. Really working towards helping people train their bodies and making it safer for them out there. So I think we definitely have some similarities in what we would like. Yeah, and you made me think of like helping people. I also said I kind of forgot to mention this. One of both of our think favorite movies of all the time is Monte Carlo, and I would love like the fashion company I work for and the fashion shows I'm marketing and being a part of to like auction off like some of their most highly collectible designer items to give back to charity. I think that's going to be like the main goal of what I'm doing is having causes I'm really passionate about and tying in philanthropic efforts to whatever luxury fashion I am representing. I think that's huge to me. My favorite fashion is dresses. So I'd love to be working with those designers and those shows and promoting new like artistic statements about history and culture, something thought provoking that also gives back to the world at the same time would be super, super important to me. I like that. I like that a lot. I definitely am not as big of a fan of Monte Carlo as she is, but I totally understand where she's coming from that giving back is very important and also like we both were raised in a Jewish household so it definitely contributes to our outlook on we want to give back to the world that we were put into because people have given so much to make it the way it is so far yeah well then what was oh I was thinking too that related to what you said that was great but I was thinking too you said like you're a night owl it's funny because I kind of am a night owl but not in a work way like in college if I didn't know the contents of what I was studying by 11 p.m midnight I'm not gonna know it like I might as well just go to bed and like cram for it the next morning but the thing is if I'm with people and like we're doing something whether it's going out or like staring and talking at a wall if I'm with people I care about and we're having an interesting conversation I could stay up like all night long literally no problem like I can go out till 4 a.m in the morning and not feel a thing if I'm with people and traveling but as soon as I'm alone I'm like I'd rather be asleep. See you later. So I'm actually quite the opposite. I'm a bit of a grandma. I need my alone time and I need a lot of it. Uh, I'm very extrovert. We are both extroverts, but once it hurts a certain hour, I just want to lay down in my bed alone. But I also have chronic insomnia. So I will be laying in bed on my phone. I was like, do you know your Myers-Briggs, your 16 personality? I do have it saved on my phone if you want to talk about yours while I pull it up. Okay, so the first thing is ear, eye, extroverted, or introverted. Do you remember which one you are? 
I'm E, extroverted. Okay, I'm also extroverted, which is funny because I think you're definitely an ambivert. We're like, Masha likes people, but sh- what do you call it when you cohabitate and do nothing together? Oh, it's called parallel play. It's my favorite thing in the world. It's like, it's where you're in the same room, but you're not talking to each other. You're just doing your own independent tasks just in the same space. Yeah, so I'd say you're extroverted, but more like that, where like, if I'm with someone, I'm like, hey, what are you thinking? What are you doing? What's up? Like, I'm like a little dog. For, yes, I'm a dog, Masha's a cat, for sure, for sure, for sure. And I'm like a hyper dog, like a corgi or something. Um, and then the next one is N or something else, S. Okay, are you N or S? I'm in S, and it's actually, um, S is... I think it's sensing, right? I think so. Are you Googling it? I just have my screenshot open on my phone. Okay, I know it's N or S. I don't remember what the differences are. But okay, so we're opposite for that. Yeah. Um, then the next one I am is an F, which is feeling versus thinking. Oh, it's uh, N or S is intuitive or observant. So observant is like you base your you base your choices by the world around you, and intuitive is you trust your own gut. Okay. Yes. Yeah, so I'm intuitive. I'm heart overhead. And then the next one I'm in F. I'm F. Yeah. So F is feeling, and um, the next the other option would be thinking. So that's definitely once again a head or heart question, but kind of in a different way. Like the first, the previous one was more like internal versus external factors. And this one's more like emotions or rationality. What are you for that one again? We're both feelings. We're both emotions over rationality. So yes, that's how we're similar. Where even though she is the engineer, the more logical one, I think you're like me where you are very true to your heart. And you kind of also, I'll say this about Masha too, is she is very like emotionally receptive. We're like, I can kind of ignore social dynamics unless I personally am really invested in like the person I'm talking to. Masha notices everything. If you have ever wronged her, she remembers and she got her revenge. I cry a lot. Okay, that's another funny <laughs> thing about her too. When we were little, she was a spitfire. She was sassy. Uh, she was like, you did not want to mess with her. You definitely mellowed out. Like now you definitely are more like me where you spiral internally alone. Where I think when you were younger, you were the more bold one between the two of us. Where now I've kind of built a bit more of a backbone. I think definitely as I've gotten older, I've met more people. And I'll be honest... The kids in my school were not of the same caliber as I am, which is a-okay. Like, everyone has a different trajectory in life, but I definitely have always been incredibly, I don't know, I took some tests to skip grades and stuff, and I purposely failed them. Whole different story about what a Taurus I am there. But (laughs) I purposely failed this test to skip a grade, so I think I was a bit more developmentally above the people around me. So being, like, ahead of them, I just was incredibly bored, and that made me quite egotistical, to be honest. But then I actually join the cosplay community and you wouldn't expect this but a lot of them are incredibly intelligent individuals because you have to be so smart to be able to consume so much media remember so much detail and invent so many things for your costumes and it kind of humbled me a bit and I think it definitely widened my worldview and has made me a bit more internally yeah I I was actually gonna say when you mentioned you were doing your master's and you mentioned being so ahead in high school like we're doing our masters at the same time she's two years younger in high school we would sit in the exact same pre-calc and ap stats class and i was two years older than her and like literally we would compete like once we had like a tournament like some kind of math jeopardy in pre-calc it was the it was the unit circle like the conversion between pine degrees yes and luckily we had an amazing math teacher that loved our sibling dynamic and he was very all for us kind of healthily competing against each other so literally we were the last two in the class going up against each other on the board and like every single assignment our dad would like look at our grades and he would roast her he'd be like well, i need to get a better grade on this than you it's like i'm a teacher's fed. <laughs> it was one of those formative experiences also during that um little competition we had there because um 
everyone was cheering for my sister and they all were saying do it for humanity prove the robots aren't gonna win and then i won anyways <laughs> but it definitely was a formative experience that's part of what started humbling me there because i realized people did not like me i was a smart alec and like people did not appreciate it i don't think that they didn't like you like everyone in my grade was like my grade like they were all seniors and you were the sophomore sh- wiping the floor with us <laughs> yeah so i think it definitely helped me though like because i've always been incredibly emotionally observant but i just growing up i kind of just assumed everyone else in the room was just being themselves and that i was above that but no no one's above that <laughs> You're just smart in different ways. And like I said, nothing gets past this girl. Like, usually when people are very, very book smart, you know, they're not socially or street smart. That's the thing about Masha is she is. The amount of attention of detail she puts to, like, her engineering and her school smarts, she also applies it to social situations. And it's really cool to watch. I think it's definitely shaped who I am as a person a ton. But anyways, back to your last thing. Yeah, so my fast one is it's J versus P judging perspecting. And I'm P perspecting. I'm dyslexic, so I might be saying the wrong word there. (laughs) um i'm p and i don't exactly know what that means um i'm also perspecting what's the other two again say the dynamic again the other one is judging okay i think it's how you see other people's dynamics so because i know people who are j's judging is like it's what sounds like a judgmental person like when you see something happen you kind of make assumptions about the other person where p is that's what we are when you see other people interact you think of what it means says about you you kind of like not compete with them but you're like oh what should i do to get the best traits of this situation or how would i fix this like you think of it inwardly where kind of someone i think who's a j this is just me interpreting how this is 100 correct but i think a j is someone who's like mm, like it's kind of turning their nose down at it like it's it's more judging you're kind of saying mm, i wouldn't do that like they're more judging those two people where when we see it we see how it reflects on us and how ourselves and i will actually say i used to be an e n s ENFJ and I changed to ESFP when I went to university so I do think a lot of like my respect for other people increased so much being in university being surrounded by other people who are as intelligent as I was just not disrespectfully towards the people I was around before they just had a very different life trajectory and goals than I did like a lot of them I'm 20 a lot of them are already married at this age and stuff and that's just not the trajectory for me I definitely am seeking more individual success before I choose to start a family And I think those different trajectories caused me to just not be as socially intelligent and be a bit more judgmental of others until I met more people who are on my same path. Which is crazy, too, because I think it's very rare to change one of your big 16 personalities. People take this test every one, two, three, five, ten years and stay the same thing. That's very rare, I think, that people change. Yeah, and I think definitely for me it was a change for the better. It was like that worldliness. I met those cosplayers who were so intelligent. I met people at my school who were so intelligent. And it really showed me that intelligence comes in so many different forms. And just in school, I think it didn't help. I was put on a bit of a pedestal, like, it's gonna be a bit of a niche reference, but anyone who's seen My Hero Academia in anime, there's a character Bakugo, and he is the extremist version of what kind of happened to me. I was very brash and assertive as a kid because everyone always told me I was better than everyone else in a way. And then I think for me, I've slowly become a bit more drawn back and become more of a Kirishima and a Deku because um, these are both characters who are a bit more insecure and like, I like to always compare myself to Kirishima. He used to have black hair. And he dyes his hair red and he goes from middle school to high school because he wants to be a braver person. And I think for me, I started dyeing my hair when I actually wanted to become a kinder and more aware person. Ooh, yeah. Well, let's talk about hair dye with you. Masha, how often do you change your hair color for the people? No comment. No, no, no. You got, you got, to, <laughs> give, you got to give them an estimate. Give us a formula. Break it down for us math-wise. 
so essentially, we're going to say every time I have a mental psychotic break, I either get a tattoo, piercing, or hair change. And hair change is the cheapest because I do it myself. Um, and on that note, I have mental breaks every time I either go through big relationship change or have finals. Yeah, no, that's fair. And to be fair, you are at a very hard school. She was in Northeastern Boston, and you're at a very hard major. So that is very understandable. Out here doxing me, damn. Okay, but yeah, so I... Just to give you a scope, I started dyeing my hair in high school, but I only just would do basic ginger for like the entirety of high school. And then I went to college and in like spring of my freshman year, like between fall and spring, that final season, first time I did like a color color, I went pink. And then over the summer, once again, another final season, I went green. And then I went the next year, I went pink and then like it was pink money pieces. And then it was pink all over my whole head. And then it was blue with pink money pieces. And then it was blonde for a while. And then I went back to pink. And now I'm back to ginger. To be fair, when you were a kid, you also changed your hair within like your first six months of being a baby. I actually, when I was bored, I was bored with black hair. And it went red and then blonde. And then it's slowly been getting more and more brown as I've been growing up. And every Halloween, my parents let me one special treat. They would let me spray dye my hair with like those chalk dyes that wash down the shower. And Tonks was always, like, your favorite Harry Potter character. I feel like you've always just loved the concept of, like, changing hair colors. I definitely do. It's definitely, like, refreshing, especially as someone who struggles with mental health a little bit. Don't need to get into that. But it gets you, like, hit the reset button. Like, I know a lot of people with mental health struggles dye their hair a lot. And I don't know if this is consistent among all of us. But for me personally, it's instead of hitting that reset button that I often wish I had, it's letting me refresh my appearance so I can go into things with a new mindset. No, I kind of see that because I think it shows a lot about my state of mind where I'm a natural brunette, so I was brunette um, pretty much up until I was 18 because with skating, our coach was very strict about dyeing our hair, and up until 18, I was a very big rule follower. I did with my parents, and my coaches expected of me. Then I went to college, and I added some blonde in, not because I wanted to like please anyone else or be a sorority girl or anything like that. Like I just think I have a blonde personality. I'm super bubbly. I love like like Lively and Gossip Girl, and then ever since, I've kept pretty much the same hair color, like this brunette, blonde. Balayage. I think that shows a lot about kind of my mental mindset. I'm pretty stable. I kind of went from a very people-pleasing girl, and I've come on my own. I've been very confident. I've never really looked back. I consider other things, but I never really do it. Yeah, and I think I've noticed also just among a lot of my friends, a lot of my friends who are a lot more, a lot more like planned in their life, they're less likely to change their hair. Like a lot of my friends, like me, I don't know what my five-year plan is. Like if you ask me, what, where will you be in five years? I couldn't tell you. But my roommate, literally most responsible, amazing person I've ever met. She's my Italian roommate, so we'll like we'll call her Mario. Hi Mario. Um, <laughs> I love you, Mario. But um, Mario has never dyed her hair. Does not plan to. Love Mario so much. But she has her plan. She knows what she's doing. She has like graduation set and everything. And she's the one in the apartment who like she helped me draft the chore chart. And she's the one who's like, Hey Masha, you haven't done your chores this week, like. So it does say a bit about you, like not to stereotype, but generally if you're more willing to make these very big changes very randomly, it shows a lot about how you're very fluid and go with the flowy and you don't need that big plan. Who would have thought hair color could be so telling? I love it. Yeah, they are really telling. And also I think it's a bit telling what colors you choose. Like when I went for blue hair, oh, oh, I was unwell. That was like my hardest semester of college thus far. I was not... I was not thriving. I was surviving. I also had recently had a huge injury that took me off the ice for four months. And I was just so sad. I'm also a big gym bro. I weight lift and I couldn't go to the gym either. 
and my biggest fourth source of endorphins is exercise, so I was so sad. Oh, wait, yeah, let's talk about what goes through your mind when you're weightlifting, because I do, like, aerobic things where I just, like, play music, and I kind of run to the beat of the music, and that's when my mind actually kind of turns off, or I daydream about, like, pretending I'm a backup dancer at a Beyonce concert. What goes through your mind when, because you work out a lot. Yeah, so I do a mix of things. I do a bit of that cardio when I'm doing more of that cardio kind of stuff. I kind of do pretend I'm like a singer or dancer. Like I'll be playing my favorite playlist called Girly Pops and I'll just be like jamming out. And then when I get more into that weightlifting, for me, it's like pushing to that like finish line, especially because I'm working with really big weights. I'm working with more than half my body weight and I'm only doing like eight reps or so. Like I usually do a four by eight. And it's a lot of that just like, you get so much satisfaction from when you hit that new weight or that new record. And even if it's like one of my weaker weeks, it's one of those things where I feel so impressive and I'm so proud of myself because I, I've just made so much progress and like, I've had a lot of injuries and setbacks and it's like, look, even though like I can't do some things, I can do this. That's super cool. Okay. Let's do a check on how far we are from noodles company. Cause I want to make sure we're still going the right way. Be back soon. Bye. All right, we're back. We are 25 miles away from noodles. Oh, fun fact. Boston doesn't have noodles and company and is the most devastating thing about living there. Boston, if you're listening to this, work on it. Anyways, anyways, I'm opening up the directions so that we don't get losty lost. And I have pulled up 36 questions to fall in love because obviously she doesn't love me enough. So we're going to work on that. <laughs> First question, I'm going to ask it to you and then we can discuss. Given the choice of anyone in the world, who, who would you want as a dinner guest? Dyslexia had a moment there. Would it be dumb if I said you? I guess I can have dinner with you anytime. Um, okay. Any person alive. Audrey Hepburn always comes to mind first when I think of this question, just because I have like so many curiosities and things I want to know about her. But you talk, I want to think of someone else like that has a cooler answer versus like, I just like Audrey Hepburn's vibe and want to know what's going on inside her head. I don't have a good answer. I feel like it's what I need to marinate with. Uh, embarrassing, embarrassing thing that popped into my head. Oh yeah, what's your first instinct? And then we'll think through a better one. Okay, so my, my first instinct, which is like a little embarrassing for me, um, Amber Glenn, she's a figure skater. Uh, yeah, um, but she popped into my head because she's very like pro, like queer rights and stuff and everything. And she's, like I think she's an ex-gymnast like she does aerials on the ice she's insanely good but I've also heard stories from my friends who have skated at the same rink as her that she's quite rude to other people on practice sessions so I'd want to kind of vibe check her myself just out of curiosity okay I like that mine's kind of a brown nosy answer but like genuinely like this is what's coming to my brain right now it's I it's gonna sound so like dumb but like i this is genuinely like who I'd want to talk to. I would want to talk to like a Socrates and Aristotle or like maybe the guy who came up with like Buddhism or Taoism, like one of these ancient philosophers who had these big views on life, like something you can never recreate in a Netflix documentary, like not someone from our time, someone from a completely different time who had like very big, cool, sturdy guidelines on the world. And this is a hard question to ask because I don't think there's any one person who changed humanity like so significantly that they're a standout. Like, also, I want to sit down with every person ever and know their story. But let's say I pick like Socrates. He has all these huge ideas on everybody goes. I would want to ask him like how we're doing. I'd want to tell him 
what TikTok is, why the North Sea is trending. I'd want to tell him like all these weird things that we're doing in society now and like advice he has for us. Is it what he thought it would be? Is it what he would change? And like just kind of get his take on it. And like then also just learn what he lived in, like what were the social classes, what patterns in history are the same and what aren't. I think that's what comes to mind. And like it sounds like I'm trying to like suck my um, history teacher's pee pee, but like that's genuinely like just what's coming to mind for me. No, it actually was really funny because when you first said Socrates, I was like, okay, I hate you. I know. But, but no, but then when you explained that you want to tell him what TikTok was and like see what he thought, I actually was like, no, that's really interesting. Like taking some, like taking Shakespeare and then showing him 10 things I hate about you and be like, is this what you wanted would be hilarious. Right. Like I just want him to see like, is hum- I honestly don't think they'd be that surprised. They'd be like, yeah, humanity is like stupid. Like I no wonder you fell. So I wonder what traps they expected us to fall into and which ones they didn't and kind of just get their advice and see what how they would change the world if they were back here and could. That's that's actually pretty good. I'm gonna move to the next question. Would you like to be famous, and if so, in what way? No, I've always thought this. Oh, speaking of dream jobs, so you know that whole dream life. I've always thought this in my very very dream life. There's a book called The Candy Makers where this girl is a spy, but like part of her assignments is you have to. You're almost like an actress, like you're playing all these parts of real people. So I would want to have this big public persona, like a creative director for Vogue or something like that, like a big fashion luxury publication or brand or like a travel photographer or a very famous artist, like have my work be very famous or have a book or a podcast to be famous for my work, but not like my face. Like I want to be one of those celebrities where like I could leave my car and the paparazzi wouldn't know it was me. Like it's just, it's my work that's famous, not like me and Anita. It's like works by Anita or whatever I call my company. And then I'd be a spy on the side and get to see, like, the inner workings of the CIA and whatever, like, under kind of, like, hidden in plain sight. So I'm hearing it's time for you to start wearing sunglasses and wigs out. I don't know about the wigs, but I will wear big sunglasses everywhere. Oh my gosh, such a drama queen. Such a... It's giving, like, Sia almost. I would love to do what Sia does. I would love, like... So that since I think fame corrupts people, I don't think I would handle it well. I don't like attention on me. Like, I feel really squeamish. Like, anytime I start working in a new place, I've noticed this about myself. I am so social. I love making friends. But I'm always really scared to show my personality to my coworkers. Because I'm like, what if they hate me? What if they gossip about me? And, like, you know, fam- fashion is a woman-dominated industry. We do gossip. And, like, I just don't like my name being in other people's mouths when I'm not in the room. And, like, I know that happens. I know that's normal humanity. But, like... The thought of it makes you want to, like, crawl in a hole and, like, cry forever and ever. So that's why I do not think I would handle fame well. No, that's fair. I was actually going to say something similar. A big fat N-O, no. And kind of similar but different. I would want to be known but in my circle. So I've always been the kind of person where back in high school when I was coaching, I was pretty well known among our neighborhood and, like, our town as I was, like, the good young ice skating coach who was pretty affordable. And within my office, I was actually known as, like, the ray of sunshine. And, like, all my coworkers always would, like, try to talk to me when I was around just because I was pretty happy all the time. And I always just, like, tried to bring a positive attitude to the office. And I definitely wouldn't want to be famous, but I would want to be rooted in a community where they know me for a positive influence. I once went to, like, this leadership seminar sent by my school, and it was the true definition success is when someone says they breathed easier because you lived. And I really embrace that and I really do want to help people around me and I want people to be able to like think of me fondly, I suppose. You just talk about your college application story, speaking of like making people better. So this one's a little sappy, get your tissues, but back when I was really young, we go to a school district that's very big on special education and 
in my class specifically, we had one individual, um, we'll call him Seashell. Um, Seashell had some brain surgeries when he was younger. And because of that, he actually was unable to communicate or walk or move on his own. But he still was receptive to information. Like you still could talk to him. And about 30 minutes later, he would respond is the crazy thing. Like if you ask a simple yes, no question, or if you greeted him 30 minutes later in the middle of a lesson, he would just like wave his hand and say, hi, it was just slightly delayed because of the brain surgeries as a child. And growing up, I went to some educational summer camp and I learned about something called a TENS unit, which actually applies an electric shock to force you to move your muscles. And I also learned about some electrical interfaces. Your brain sends electrical signals to the rest of your body. That's how it talks. And I thought about it and I thought about what if you took those electrical signals your brain was sending and put them into something similar to a TENS unit or an exoskeleton and created a way for these people who had a disconnect from, let's say, a brain surgery, a spinal injury, whatever it may be, and allowed them to interface with the world like they were able to before this issue occurred. And especially a big one for me was communication because they have been working on this with exoskeletons so people are able to walk post-spinal injury but there's been not much research or development into allowing people to communicate better. And communication's so huge. Like Seashell, the reason why I chose that name is actually because every summer Seashell would go to Florida just so it's easier to manage with a wheelchair. And Seashell would come back and bring the whole class sand dollars. And Seashell's parents came in and always told us like, they, he's always thinking of you and he always picks up all these seashells and he might not be able to directly communicate your names, but he will be trying his best out there to see them, say them when he sees one that looks like one of you. That genuinely like made me tear up. Like, I just think it's so beautiful that at such a young age, you had such a big part and like you were truly impacted by something so deep. It's still a part of who you are and what you want to do today. Like it's, it's such a cool story. I don't know many people like, even though you change your hair color and are very fluid all the time, you have such a deep core in something that means so much to you. And like, I think it's easy to think that you just want to be an engineer because our dad was one and he did push it very heavily on you. We joke it didn't work on his first daughter. So he tried again with the second, but it's cool hearing that story because you know, it's really from yourself and from your own heart and what you were meant to do. And it's really cool. Yeah. And I think that actually contributes a lot to who I am as a person. I don't know exactly how I want to get there, but I do want to get to a point where I'm helping people rehabilitate from injuries or issues or problems that they're suffering from. And that's why I really changed my trajectory from computer engineering to human movement. And I think kind of my life philosophy, and I say this a lot and my friends think I'm crazy. If you build a strong enough foundation, it will catch you when you thrust yourself into the next phase of your life. And I have lived by this my entire life. My college decision, I'm going to tell you a really embarrassing fact. It was made because my ex was planning to go to college in the city of Boston. That is how I chose the college I went to. But because I built a strong foundation of academics, I was able to survive in the hardest college I applied to, actually. So I think it definitely molded a lot of who I am. Like, And Seashell does not know who I am now. I bet if Seashell heard this podcast or his parents, they'd be like, who is this crazy person talking about our son? But there's been formative experiences in my life and like those core memories. Like if you think about the movie Inside Out, I have quite a few of those and I allow those to catch me even when I don't have direction otherwise. That was actually going to be one of my questions. I totally forgot. I was going to ask, what do you think are your core memories? Pick like five, six, seven, eight of them. 
Okay then. Well, well you have to go. Islands. You have to say at least one. One of my core memories. Um, okay, this is this is the first thing that came to mind. Is the first time I ever stepped foot on the ice. Okay, cop out answer. Such a cop out answer and because came to my brain, bro. We both could have said that one though. Cheater, cheater. I'll think of more. I'll think of more. Okay, let me think about it. Okay, so our islands are all of our mixed emotions, right? Core memories. I guess a core memory for me. This first one that popped into my mind, so it might not be like my final answer, but this was one of my first great successes as a coach. I was coaching this class and at this time I still wasn't even being paid because I was too young to legally be paid. It was volunteer work. And the girl the group I was coaching was the youngest group. It was Snowplow Sam One. So these are your like like your three to six year olds. They're children. I mean one little five year old. And the thing is, her mom was a coach, and she expected all the attention all of the time, right? So she got on the ice, threw a tantrum because mom skated away to go do her job, sat down and refused to move. And I remember I went over to this kid. Um, I don't even remember her name at this point, but I went on over to this kid, and I just started talking to her. And I was trying to distract her because part of it was fear, and part of it was that feeling of abandonment from her mom. So I just was trying to distract her. I was asking, you know, favorite color, favorite Disney princess, all sorts of random questions. And we finally latched on the fact that she really likes the princess Ariel. And I just latched onto that. And I used all of that Disney knowledge in my brain to just keep talking. And I slowly started backing away. And this kid started following me without even realizing it. She picked herself up and started moving off the wall. And I think that was a big a big core memory for me because that's kind of when I realized I really love coaching and that's when I stopped hating skating. It was right around that time is when I started to actually try. That's really cool. Yeah, I'm trying to think why I loved skating the first time I stepped on ice because actually at first, Masha was like fearless. She stepped up. She was like, get that wall away from me. I'm out of here. And she started zooming. I actually clung to the wall a lot at first. So I'm trying to think why I like skating. I think I just like the bright lights, the people moving around me. I just... I think I felt part of this world. I kind of felt like I was diving into an aquarium. And, like, so here's the thing. Like I mentioned before, like, I love our parents, but they are, even to this day, a little overbearing. Um, they're very, very involved in our life. I think it was just nice that there was this plexiglass divider where, like, I just felt like I had my own little world in front of me, and I was going to do whatever I wanted when I was ready to do it, and it felt very cool. But that's the same core memory. So the next one I was thinking of is... Can I interrupt for a second? Yeah, of course. Okay, actually on the note of the plexiglass being there and you were like, oh my gosh, I'm free. I had the opposite opinion. I called it the fishbowl because I felt like people were just gaping at me and poking me like I was a fish in an aquarium. So I think that also was very a big reason why I didn't like skiing as much as Anita did because I pushed off that wall and it was already too small of a tank for me. So I think that's kind of interesting. That's not the thing we were talking about high school. I kind of forgot to mention. I was like, you were a big fish in a small tank. Like you were ready for more. I think Boston is much more your speed than suburban Wisconsin. But I think I thrive in tanks. Like even right now, I don't live in LA or New York. I live in a much smaller town. But like I kind of like the comfort. I like knowing what my tank is and I can thrive in it. But also I take risks too. Like I was on Team USA, but like I know my tank. I know my surroundings. It's, it's weird. We're kind of even that way. I think we're opposites in that way. How I mentioned, I want to be known in my local community, but I also want to be personally bigger, so I'm not the biggest thing there. I think that's kind of interesting because I like to be a small fish in a big sea, so then I can kind of blend in, but I also can make home with my little anemone. And Anita really wants to be that big fish in the tank where she's sitting on top of that little plastic castle. <laughs> yeah, that's funny though because I don't like the spotlight. Like 
if I'm in a circle of say like 10 people, I don't want to be the one telling the story to all nine other people. I'd want to be like the best friend to the person telling the story and I kind of like aid in and joke and make it funnier but talk like a fourth as much as the main person. Like I only like the attention on me when I'm like one on one with someone I know really well. I totally agree and that's actually why you guys are getting such a composed version of me. I actually am an absolute mess like 80% of the time. I do not like groups of like more than three people. This is why I never host parties or anything because I will just go insane. Okay, yeah. Okay, so more core memories. What's our age cutoff for the core memories? Like are we thinking like when you were little, little or in like middle high school? I will let it be any memory you have. Okay, because so when we were in Canada the first time, we fed belugas, and I like vividly remember, I don't remember much else, but I vividly remember like this beluga, like belugas kind of look like they have a smile, so I remember in this bright blue crystal clear water swimming up to me, and I was petting it, and then we went back to Canada when, how old were we, we were in middle school? I think so, and that was the first time I remember seeing Niagara Falls, I don't remember seeing it when I was little, and like staring at the blue water and the movement of water, I just thought was like absolutely stunning. If you ever go to Niagara Falls, they have this thing called the Whitewater Walk, where you walk along, like, the bottom of the river, and you can see, like, these teal rapids moving, and I loved the constant motion of water. I think it really influenced my art style, and that was a core memory, I guess. That's a pretty good one, actually, because, I don't know, that one's just very you. Like, I don't remember either of these instances in Canada. Fun fact. So, it's very interesting to hear it from your memory, because to me, in Canada... I don't remember much. I just remember attempting to jump over the railing a few times. That's like the <laughs> biggest thing I remember from Canada. And then, okay, another core memory is I remember in art class with Mrs. Pinchart. I don't know if you remember her. Oh my gosh, I love this woman. She quit halfway through and we got this god-awful replacement teacher. I think if like warm cinnamon vanilla sugar was a person, it would be her. Best description. I love that woman. I still vividly remember what she looks like. She had like straw blonde hair. She was pretty tan, pretty slim. And like her skin looked like it had been in the sun a lot. I'm not saying it was wrinkly. It was just like sun-kissed, like very sun-kissed. She was younger. She always had these cool metal big rings that looked like she'd like made herself but in like a good admirable way and she had a great way of connecting with every single student even the least artistic kid in class she couldn't engage in the conversation and i remember her reading a book about the rainforest and she was holding it with like her thumb and pinky in front of the pages you know the way teachers like hold books and i remember her discussing foreground and background and there was a jaguar in the foreground and like the rest of the rainforest in the background i think another part of the book was about the coral reef and um, I just really vividly remember her teaching me about how to draw foregrounds and backgrounds. And I remember always wanting to see the Great Barrier Reef because of her in the book. And now the Great Barrier Reef is like coraled and bleached. And it's kind of like a metaphor for life, I guess, where art used to be this, it was my favorite part of the day. I love Miss Pinchart. And then as you grow up, you kind of realize as much as you don't want it to, like logic and paying rent and doing what you have to do, it has to take over art sometimes and kind of sucks. It does kind of suck. Not to interrupt, we do have to exit in one mile, so... Um, yeah, exit 15. Okay. But on that topic, though, it is really, like, metaphorical there that things do die out. Like, with you were saying with the Great Reef, really, specifically, like, and it's all human factors. It's not, like, natural reasons for all these things to be dying out. It's all problems that humans make for themselves. And that's the interesting thing. Yeah, and I think that's just a lot of who I am, why I do the career I do, why I make the friendships I do. I really am um, drawn towards, like, magnetized towards the things that make me feel free and fluid. And so it was interesting. Yesterday we were on a walk just around our hometown. We love beautiful lakes and forests where we live. Am I exiting here next? Yes. Okay. 
So, there, and I was looking down at the lake and thinking how, like, if you leave ecosystems alone, they just keep growing weeds over weeds, like, so many patterns of leaves and sticks. There was leaves from the side of the bank falling into the water, like, maple leaves down there. Like, if you just let things grow, there's going to be snails and shells and funguses and all these microorganisms you can never count or trace. Like, if humans just disappeared tomorrow, the world would just keep growing and not care and make fluid lines. Nothing would be straight. Nothing would be organized. There would be no time. It's just what wanted to happen would happen. And I think that's really beautiful. And I kind of wish that was seen more in human life than prioritizing like logistics and perfection. And I don't know. Yeah. And it's really interesting, actually, because we were doing some research. You're going to go to the right and there's two options. But um, I've just really recently been seeing a lot of how different countries work and how their efficiency is and how, yeah, you turn right up at the intersection where that light is. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Navigation break. <laughs> but on that note, we were looking at like compensation in different countries and how like right here. Yeah. And how in Europe they have like minimum 20 days PTO with like sick leave. And here in America, it's 10 days PTO, no sick leave. And in Europe, people are happier in it. Like, yeah, my mom was actually telling us like, you know, they're lazy. Millennials are the problem. I was like, I think honestly, the overworking and the human made problems are really what's causing the deficit in efficiency and yeah. the lack of people wanting to go into harder careers because, oh, well, I can just sell stuff on Etsy and I'm my own boss now. I think from a business perspective, too, is the reason we work these long hours is to raise the bottom line. But like I'm looking where we're driving right now, all these chain restaurants, all these kind of ugly but looking logos um all these straight edges and buildings so what like all these people work all these extra hours to make all this it's hideous it's not pretty the only cool thing right here is this starbucks has some cool architecture i think if we are more of a european style and let people have time for creativity and to live life like actually olivia rodrigo between her for her two albums she took a year off writing songs because she's like you need to live life to write about it and I think if we gave people time to live their lives, we could create more beautiful, long-lasting things that would have big revenues because they were dynamic and gorgeous and had a purpose instead of forcing people to work long hours to get those same results. But it's forced. It's not organic and from passion. And also with the forcing it, it's it's done worse. Like in my company, we're not going to get into it. But there was a big issue with management because they were promoting people for the wrong reasons. And what that turned into was they lost some really intelligent hard workers. And there was a big problem there because people didn't want to work in this company that wasn't allowing them to live their life. Like, I remember one of my coworkers told me, yeah, I'm moving to a new company that pays me like the same, but I only have to work 36 hours a week, which doesn't sound like a big difference. 40 versus 36 hours a week, boo-hoo, four hour difference. But that means halfway through the day on Friday, he can leave or he could work, you know, longer for two days, just do two 10 hour days and he gets his Friday completely off. And that's so incredible because now all of a sudden he has so much time and so many more opportunities to explore the new place that he's moving to and create more memories. And he's a young adult. He doesn't want to be stuck in a cubicle all day. And even when you're older, and I get it, everyone has different motivation levels. Like some people might need a nine to five, here's your task, do today, tomorrow, the next day. But I think at least for us, we're huge self-starters. If you give me a deadline, even a year from now, I'll have it done in half a year. Like I am so motivated on my own. If you if you did like a college setup, like here's all your finals, here's when the final date will be, you make your own schedule whenever you want to make these things happen, I would. like, And I would do it early and I would do it better than you expected. And I've proven that in my MBA programs and in my college 
college. Like I was a point when I was on three executive boards in college and doing two internships and a job at the same time and still had time for my social friends. So I know everyone's motivation level is different. Some people might need the more structure, but I think there should be better infrastructure for people who don't. Traffic light, traffic light. Perfect. Not here, traffic light. Got it, got it, got it. So they can be more productive. No, I totally agree. Sorry, I had to give a navigation break for a second there. But um, I totally agree that, like, Anita specifically, very self-motivated. It could be an entrepreneur if there was something she was passionate about enough about. Hey, I started a podcast. We're getting there. Yeah. So, like, <laughs> it's one of those things where, like, definitely different people need different things. But, like, for me, example, I was rotting in that office. They would give me a task that they thought would take eight hours. It took me two and I just wasn't motivated to ask for more work because I knew I would have to be in this office this long anyway, so I would have put in more work. Versus if you would have just told me, here's your tasking for, you know, whatever, just do it and we'll give you more stuff when you finish it, I would have been so much more efficient and, like, really worked hard and made the company's money worth it. I also think praise is huge. I think if we were also better at recognizing our employees, like, wow, thank you for this talent. Like, you made this system better. I also think it would be more motivating. But, like, bosses don't have time because they're also working themselves dry to meet these 40-plus hours a week. And, like, there's no time to really take appreciate the talent and the humanity and the people you have on your teams. Where I think if there was a better culture, too, of showing gratitude and understanding how people work well together and just saying thank you for every single thing you do every single day like take ripping yourself away from your family from your children from traveling the world to give your time to this company like yes it pays you but still I just think that would also help with work-life balance no absolutely and now we're going to take a break because I'm hungry bye (laughs) I'm tired grandpa what oh she doesn't watch enough tiktok there's a tiktok for those of you who know where the kid goes, I'm tired, Grandpa. The grandpa goes, Oh, that's too dead. Keep pushing. Um, but anyways, <laughs> anyways, we are tired, and my knees hurt, and I'm crabby, and I just took a really big poop. So, and Mario just texted me about her ex. So we need to discuss and deliberate. So goodbye. What's your review of the Casey's gas station bathrooms? Oh my gosh, it was incredible, guys. There was actually like a really cute like emo chick in there, so I'm very happy. Are there plumbers gonna have a bad day tomorrow? <laughs> Absolutely. Well, Sorry, Casey's. With that, everybody, that is my sister. I hope you all love it as much as I do. And we'll see you next time. Bye.